What's up, guys? Welcome to Governor's Podcast with your host, Matt Sartrick, and myself, Peter Fendera. Today we got a special guest, pretty lady named, named Susie, made her ourselves. Susie is a whiteboard driven by Peter Fendera himself. She's also a moneymaker. She is a moneymaker with uh, two breasts to represent the Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we're also going to talk about why breast cancer is a big issue for this month, right? Yep. But before we do anything, check us out on YouTube, dollar episodes. We also got Travel Nursing Checklist coming up. Oh, no, it's already out. It's out. It's already out. But we, what we got coming up next is an NCLEX study guide for you guys. It's not even in the process. It might take a little bit to um, complete, guys. Um, but thank you for listening. Subscribe, just like Peter said. Um, also, that Facebook group, make sure you guys go on there. We're trying to grow the community. It's growing slowly. Um, hopefully, engage if you're listening. Say a little hi. Say a little what's up there, where you're from. Tell us your problem. We'll answer. We're going to be more interactive on there. Give us a rating, five stars. Five stars or nothing. Right, so our ratings go with five stars, right? That's all we accept. Yeah. So on today's episode, in the honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we're going to talk about topics ranging from everything about how breast cancer starts, the diagnosis, the staging, the symptoms, and the treatment of breast cancer. Uh, one statistic about breast cancer is that it's an estimated that 41,000 people die from breast cancer every year in the United States, women. It's very unfortunate. It's uh, probably the highest, the most prevalent cancer in women, correct? Breast cancer is. I think so, yes. And one in eight women develop breast cancer in their lifetime. So it's, it's, it is a sad disease. And if you're a male, this is still relevant to you because 1% of all breast cancers are males. So you still have a prevalence of getting it and you should still do like a self breast exam or get checked up if you feel there's something different about your breasts yeah it's kind of weird to think about if you think of breasts you probably think of females and males are also prone to breast cancer it's a lot it's, a, it's very rare in males but it does happen which is pretty interesting too yeah one percent breast cancer so breast cancer is a disease um that basically it's malignant these cancer cells from the tissue um create abnormal abnormalities. Um, usually your DNA has a specific chain of information and how to do things. And what starts happening is these healthy cells starts um, mutation processes, right? And these abnormal cells grow, they invade, and they start invading other cells and start replicating the same way as this cancer. And we know that the basic building blocks of cells goes into tissues. And sometimes when it metastasizes, right, or it grows to too large, it becomes a tumor, and this tumor could affect different um, areas of the body. Yeah, cancers are, are always, or they have been always fascinating to me, just the fact that, you know, these cancer cells were once our normal cells. They were healthy, normal cells that happened to be damaged and just not picked up by our white blood cells or, or by our lymphatic system, and then they get, the switch gets flipped on where they keep reproducing, reproducing, and growing, and uh, Eventually, they grow into like a nodule, then they grow into like, you know, just a piece of tissue and then... Where it spreads, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it, it affects that organ, but then it's crazy that like these cells keep growing and they eventually break off and they go to different body parts and spread over there. Yeah. It's, it's also, it's very fascinating that, that like, this is basically our body killing itself, if you think about it. Yeah, it's like basically a cell's born with DNA information, hey, do this task. And cancer basically is like a new brain inside of that cell that has a different mission. It starts growing its own cells, spreading differently, 
It's using our body's nutrients to feed itself and grow. Like tumors produce blood vessels to kind of spread and grow. Like it, that's mind blowing. And its mission is just to baby to f you up. Yeah, it's, it's it has no mission, but besides just just to grow. It's like its most basic function for a cell is to multiply, and this is what they're doing nonstop. So a lot of times when we hear, or almost all the time when we hear cancer, we think of a tumor. But not all tumors are carcinogenic. They're not all malignant. So you have your benign tumors and your malignant tumors. So a tumor is just a mass in tissue, so abnormal growth in cells. But when it's benign, those cells aren't cancerous. So just abnormal growth. A lot of times uh, you hear benign growth is like BPH, benign prostate hypertrophy, where it's your prostate gets bigger. It's not cancerous, it just grows. And then that's not considered cancerous. Sometimes you get it removed. So usually they just let it ride out because if it doesn't affect any kind of cells. If it's benign, there's no need to. Yeah, right. But there's points where a benign tumor does get super big. Or it grows so big that it kind of pushes or puts pressure on other tissues. And that's when it becomes an issue. But at that point, it's still not cancerous. It's just, you know, it's just a benign growth that, that grows that you got to get rid of because it's, like I said, you're putting pressure on other tissues and areas of the body. But when you have a malignant tumor, that's the one that actually has cancerous cells. That's one that's going to keep reducing, keep reducing. And that's cancerous itself. And you're also at risk for it spreading, being more malignant. And that's... That's where yeah. it's full out, full out cancer, unfortunately. And just to dumb it down, tumors, basically, your cells are dividing and multiplying in an abnormal way. And we don't know if it's good or bad. And that's where the two different um, terms come from, malignant and benign. And when you actually have cancer cells, those are the ones that are actually having negative effects on your body. Yeah. The the tumor, the, the tumor that's just growing, it's just doing its thing. And just like Peter said, it could just happily be there. Yeah. And I think some women do have regular lumps correct like sometimes even men like you have an abnormal growth somewhere and it could be nothing yeah yeah some women do have in their breasts even though you know it's it's kind of scary at first but some women naturally do have like nodules and like little tiny lumps in in their breasts bilaterally or or, or on one side and those those um those are malignant or they're not they're not benign either they're just a normal growth that that just been there their whole life and it's kind of how their breast breast tissue breast tissue is yeah. and that's completely not something you should still get checked out if it's, you know, if you feel that you should still get get looked at because you can still be cancerous, but most of the time it's not. Yeah. And cancer. So breast cancer is 15 different types, guys, and we're not going to go into the nitty gritty of every single one of them. But the most common one is the invasive ductal carcinoma, IDC, right? And it um, it accounts for 80% of all breast cancers. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big one. And the way it works is what it invades... Um, the duct, the, the milk, right? The milk ducts yes. um, in the breasts. And those things are basically the pipes is what we call them for um, for anything that happens. The way, I'm sorry, I'm just losing my train of so, thought here. So this uh, cancer is basically in the ducts on, on the breast. So that's where the milk is produced. And with those ducts, they carry milk to like the nipple. And that's basically where the most prominent cancer is. I'm not sure what the reasoning behind it is. Maybe just because there's a lot of milk production there, maybe um, those cells regenerate more. And it, and it could be over time, just mm. your natural process yeah. is what happens. And it accounts for two-thirds mm. of the cancer in women that are 55 and older. Yeah, so so this this carcinoma, the one we're talking about, the invasive ductal carcinoma, that can occur in, in, in women in age, any age, but the most predominantly age that affects is 55 or older. So if you're 55 or 55 or older, 
you're more likely to get it. About two thirds of all women that get it are 55 or older. Yeah. Thank you for repeating me there. No problem. Um, and is that, when does menopause happen? Do you know? Menopause is usually 55 50. plus 60. Maybe that's something to do with too. You never know. Sometimes the, exactly the change in hormones, mm -hmm. which we, we talk about that you have wrong levels of progesterone, estrogen, sometimes the imbalances. And as we know, when we do a biopsy, which will we talk about, sometimes that cancer could be related to hormonal issues. Yeah, yeah that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's yeah, menopause is a drastic change, so that that seems kind of relevant that it, you know you're more develop, more prone to developing cancer at that age. Yeah, and if we do the growth of cancer, we start figuring out the three ways that it spreads, which will we talk about. The first way that it spreads is we basically talked about the damaged DNA. The DNA has coded information and somewhere down the line, the, the, the cell gets damaged. It could be anything from diet, lifestyle, blah, 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 right? Yeah. I've heard it even happens in vegetable oils. And what happens is the cells, the cells start mutating, they mutate, they grow rapidly, and there's a different pre-wired plan that the wired plan of the DNA technically had for the cell. Mm -hmm. That's the one way. Then we also have hormones. And we have different chemicals. We talked about progesterone and estrogen. And sometimes they're naturally occurring in the body. And sometimes there's imbalances. We even cover, but we covered it in the podcast episode where estrogen is linked to like the chemicals that girls use for makeup. And that could be one thing. And what happens is it could activate that HER2 gene is what we call it. And that cancer could be hormonally stimulated instead of the DNA stimulated. Yeah, the HER2 cancer is actually one of the most aggressive cancers that they could get. So it's pretty scary. Is it more prevalent? It, you said it's more... It's one of the more, more aggressive ones. I see. Yeah. I did not know that. And then we have lymph nodes. So the lymph nodes are blood vessels technically in a different form, right? They carry interstitial fluids and they're basically like the highway system of the body that carries white blood cells, carries different what else does it so you could think of your lymph system as like your circulatory system mm -hmm. but for like white blood white blood cells i know they also carry amino acids and they carry extra um interstitial no not interstitial but extra interstitial um fluid they they, so they they maintain the fluid balance of, of your body as well as your um your wbcs and yeah and they transport those fighting cells and that's one way where the tumor because right by the armpit is where all your nodules are for the breast Sometimes that carcinoma could infiltrate the lymph nodes, and that's where we start getting a problem where we test the lymph nodes as well to see whether the cancer is spreading somewhere in the body. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah, it's, it's, it's scary because, like, like Matt said, you have a lot of lymph nodes around your breast area and your armpit area, and that's the direct highway from your breast. And once your the cancer cells inf infiltrate your lymph system, you know, they could go wherever they want. And a lot of people think that breast cancer is more gene like your family is predisposed to cancer breast cancer and you're going to get it but according to what we did the research shows that only is it 10 percent yeah five to ten percent five to ten percent of breast cancer is actual genetic yeah. most of it is from environmental smoking drinking all that all those little sedentary lifestyles lack of activity and then of course maybe being overweight so environment has a greater role on the genes because genes upregulate. Sometimes they turn on and off constantly based on what we're doing, guys. That's why we say that genetics are so important, but I think, do you think in medicine, things are kind of being pushed away from genetics and now we're seeing that it's more environmental? Well, 
I think that we're seeing that more things are environmental, but I also see that a lot of our research is done on gene therapy. So like you said, only five to 10 cancers, five to 10 percent of cancer, breast cancers are directly related to, to genes. So they're hereditary, but the other 90% are related to, you know, an environment, your lifestyle, but, but still you, you can have genes that show that you're more prone to cancer and you might never get cancer. So I think it's still very important for us to look at our genetic makeup just so we can find those genes so we can label them and show who's more at risk. Because if someone's gene shows that they're more at risk for breast cancer, that's going to be kind of, or that, that is going to be a reason for them to change their lifestyle up. Yeah, or or you'll have more tests more frequently, more earlier to prevent this, you know, you getting into a later stage of breast cancer and you won't be able to save your breasts. Yeah, exactly. Because only 5-10% of cancers are directly related to your genes. But that doesn't mean that even though you don't have cancer, you don't have cancer genes, you could say. So it's still crazy thing to think about because, like, I don't know, it's, it's really complicated stuff. The fact that you could have genes that make you more prone to cancer, but you might never develop cancer. And you might have a poor lifestyle, and that's what switches the gene on. Genes, yeah. And that's the kind of the scary part. So I feel like we should totally push genetic, uh, like genetic um, labeling or, or, mark, or marking or just figuring out what genes cause what, just so we know who's more predisposed to or pre, yeah, predisposed to cancer. Because that's going to change people's life. Like if someone tested my blood as an infant and said, hey, you're more, you have the gene that can express prostate cancer. I would be eating like a diet that's, you know, that's anti-prostate cancer. Or if I was told. Some pumpkin seed pumpkin, or supplement. Yeah, what have, I, what have I got to do? If, if, if someone told me that my genes are showing me that I'm at risk for this, this, and this, then you bet your ass I'm going to make sure I don't get that by, make, by changing my lifestyle. And I think as this technology is getting cheaper to study genes, it's only be going to become more prevalent. And just like these websites like Ancestry, you're, they're basically taking your DNA code and they're learning about it. And eventually there's going to be a giant database they could research. They're just like Google. Exactly. I'm sure that's already being created. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. The, the more data they, get, they, they gather, the more accurate it, it is. Because like I'd say, you know, we know how you have the A, B and or it's C and, and G DNA sequences. So if someone has an A, A, B, C sequence and they're getting, you know, breast cancer more, then guess what? The A, B, C gene is going to be the expression for, for breast cancer. Yeah. So all, it's all based on data. The more data that they collect, the more people that they see, the more data that they, you know, harvest off genes, the more accurate it's going to be and the more they're going to be able to tell what actually causes what. Yeah, it's not to get off topic, but just like a Tesla car. The more that artificial intelligent car is driving on the road, the more it's analyzing what's happening, when to brake, when to turn, when there's danger, and it's getting smarter. So as these cars are out on the market longer, they're actually getting safer and, you know, right. getting smarter. Yeah, genetic testing is going to be like almost like testing your blood for, for um, you know, diabetes. Like if you're pre-diabetic, you're more likely going to change your lifestyle compared to like when you're pre-cancerous, you're going to change your lifestyle as well. And then we have the stubborn people and the people that don't want to change and they want to continue their own, unfortunately, to you guys. But you could prevent it, guys. It's very um, it's very based on environment. Well, that's your social Darwinism. Social Darwinism. Let's get into it. So we're going to talk about the grade system before we get into staging, just to kind of take you guys at a full introdu introductory step 
about breast cancer 101. When you guys finish this podcast episode, you guys will know everything about breast cancer. For the most part, we're not doctors. And, and, and we're men. And we're men. But not only that, but this is a rabbit hole. There's so much information online. We try to just condense, condense it to the best possible form so you kind of know your way around or educate your family. So we go into the grading of breast cancer. And grading happens from one to three, one being the least severe, three being the worst, just like stages. And grading talks about, it studies the cell. It's, it studies how abnormal it is from a regular cell and how quickly it's growing. It gets very complicated the way they grade it. There's other DNA sequencing that I don't want to even touch about. Um, but basically, one is slow growing. It looks pretty normal. Then it goes into two and three, which is fast growing. And that's how they stage the breast cancer cells on top of staging the cancer on where it is on the body. Yeah, so there's grading and staging, right? Yes. So grading just basically checks for how abnormal the cell looks. Yes. Right. So like you said, gray one will be, they're normal, but they're kind of growing, growing slowly, but they're still growing quicker than normal, right? Yes. And then stage two would be, they look, they look less normal, but they're still kind of normal, but they, now they replicate even quicker. Mm -hmm. And stage three will, will probably be the worst out of all the three stages, right? Yeah. Where the cells look abnormal and, and they grow abnormally. Yeah. So when it comes to grading, it's just looking at the individual cell itself and understanding how it's being replicated. And then we get into staging and staging is basically the size of the cancer, the lymph nodes that are affected and where it's spreading to the body. And that's the, that's the one that's more people hear about that are understanding what's going on and how bad is your breast cancer. Yeah. When I looked at the staging process, there's, it's so confusing to, mm -hmm. to look at where it's like, there's like stage one, two or three and four. And then there's like A, B, C, where it's like, there's so much going on and, you know, but this is. You know, this is staged by actually people that work with cancer. Yeah. These, these doctors know what they're talking about. And this is, this is how the stage is. So this might be a little bit dry because mm -hmm. it's just literally giving you numbers. But I'm going to try to condense it pretty it's quick very, here. Very interesting though. Yeah. So we have stage one. And stage one is basically the, the cancer is not spread anywhere. It's not. It hasn't hit the lymph nodes. So basically you have a tumor that's two centimeters or smaller. And it's around the breast area. Sometimes there's a few cancer cells that are found in lymph, but then the lymph nodes aren't exactly affected. So that's stage 1A and then 1B. So you, you might have either or stages. And if it's um, if your lymph nodes have a little bit of cancer in them, it's called a micrometastasis. So the lymph node is not actually fully exposed to cancer. You could probably do radiation or something to that. Then we get into stage two, which is also 2A and 2B. And with this is you could either have a cancer cell or tumor, I should say, that's two centimeters or smaller that's found in one to three lymph nodes. So now if you're watching on YouTube, you have lymph nodes. And as you know, that's that transport system. And you have different little nods of these lymph that travel everywhere. So you the tumor took itself from the breast and went into the lymph nodes. And there's, I don't know how many lymph nodes there is in the armpit. Like, It'd I'm be good sure. to research. Yeah. But anyways. Like four or six, maybe yeah. more. So one to three lymph nodes are affected and the, the growth is two centimeters or smaller. But then if you go into 2B, it could be larger than two to centimeters, but no more than five. And it's found to one to three lymph nodes. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's a little bit tricky. So the, the tumor is basically two to five. And it's either affected one to three 
or it's affected all four. So that's it's just very complicated. Yeah, we have it all right now in the show notes, guys, if you want to take a look. Yeah, at it. so if you want to go into a very in-depth way of looking at this instead of us talking about it, you could look at our show notes, which is going to be linked up, and you could read about it. So stage three is a little bit more confusing because it goes into 3A, 3B, 3C. Of course. Of course. I'll just make it very simple. Basically, your cancer in stage three is up to five centimeters or usually larger. And it just gets broken down into lymph nodes. It could be affected up to three, it could be four to nine, but usually four to nine lymph nodes and greater than five centimeter, that's the rule of thumb. Mm. And then if you go into 3B, it's usually the same, but you might have cancer in the chest wall and you, you could have up to nine lymph nodes affected and it could be any size. So that's 3B. And then 3C is, Basically, there's 10 lymph nodes that are affected with any kind of cancer size. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they stage it ABC based on how many lymph nodes are affected. Okay. And stage four is very simple. It could be any size. It could be any amounts of lymph nodes affected. The biggest key here is that the cancer is metastasized. So what that means is the cancer went from the breast to the lymph nodes, and it took this super highway that our body has, and it, it found, the cancer is found somewhere else in the body, and, and it could travel anywhere. And we call it METS in like nursing. And yeah, if so you do a CT scan, you could have METS to the, the liver, liver, the lungs, different areas of the body. And that's where it's very hard to control because now you're fighting cancer on a systemic level. And that's why preventive medicine is so important to find out what's going on earlier before we reach that stage. And it's usually has a high mortality rate. Yeah, and it's very scary because sometimes you could pinpoint what the second or third organ that's affected and you could go into remission. Like this this is treatable and is manageable, but the fact that it metastasized, it means that it could still be anywhere. So just because you got it, got it out of the breast, got it out of the liver, and you got it out of you know your spleen, and you've been in remission for two years, the fact that I metastasized, it could be anywhere else in hiding. Yeah. And, and you can't really tell. You can't track until, you know, another tumor grows. And you're just like, shit, yeah. we're back at it. Like I know of my friend's dad is battling cancer. And long story short is um, he has abnormal growth around his neck area. But we don't know where the cancer spread from. So we, we could be treating cancer in a certain body part. But the doctors aren't aware of where else this cancer can be. And that's what makes it so hard because you're basically pl playing hide and go seek with the cancer. Yeah, cancer is real tricky because... It's a tricky you, one, huh? It is. So you could have like liver cancer and those liver cancer cells can travel up to, let's say, like your spleen. And you could find liver cancer cells in your spleen that look like liver cancer cells. And then you could... That's probably where it came from then, the liver. But there is a point where this cancer replicate so much where you cannot tell where this cell is from anymore. So that's even really scarier because initially when you go into when you're the cancer metastasizes, you could still kind of tell where it originated from because breast cancer still kind of looks like breast cancer. But if it keeps growing, keeps growing and it's and you're not, you know, treated for or, you, or the chemo is not working, radiation is not working, nothing's working. These cells replicate so much that they're not, they don't look like any kind of cells. They just look like random cells that you, you can't even tell how they look like. So that's, that's, you know, that's, it's really, really scary. Like, you know, one for the, for the most part, it metastasized and it sucks because it's somewhere else, but now you can't even figure out where it came from. Yeah. Healthcare is now black and white. Like yeah. 
unlike other professions, like it's, and that's why like there is better doctors and there is worse doctors because you have to make a clinical judgment on what's going on. And every patient is different. Everybody, every body part is different. And it's, um, it's beautiful. To me, it's beautiful. It's not beautiful what happens in a death part, but it's beautiful how complex the human body is and how, how like different everything could be like everything from cells to organs to the way this cancer spreading to the way we like save people's lives sometimes it really blows my mind i'm just having a moment of appreciation for the human body and i think everybody should and if you're looking at Susie here appreciate her too yeah the fact that cancer is so complex a lot of times is the treatment options it's uh <clears throat> peter sorry, almost almost choked right here peter took a little sip of alcohol Jeez, well, his eyes quickly. are literally bloodshot right here yes well a little too quickly but since cancer is so complex, what we usually use or what we usually do to, to treat it or to manage it is, is a multi-step approach. So we don't just do just radiation or just chemo or just surgery. We combine all three. That, you know, that makes it really rough to go through, but that gives like your best chances on, on surviving and, and getting through it. And that's, when, and that's when you hear about those side effects of chemo and things. But yeah. before we get into that, let's get into the diagnosis. So, yeah. now, so now we know what breast cancer is, stages. We know the stages and the grading. So now let's talk about how to diagnose what's actually going on in the body. So the first way, the most easy way is just the breast exam. It's something you can do at home, something your doctor should do, you know, every year or every six months, depending on how often you go, you go to the doctor. And we are going to make a breast exam video for you guys. So with um, Susie over here. So it's going to be on YouTube and on like Instagram. Yeah. So it's just basically all it really is. The breast exam is just palpitations, you know, in the breast area under the armpit and just looking for, for abnormalities. Another way to, you know, screen for breast cancer is a mammogram. It's just an x-ray picture of, you know, of, of your breast to see if there's any kind of growth or abnormalities on there. You can also do a breast ultrasound that kind of checks uh, for growth more deeper in the tissues. It kind of shows you structures as, as well. And just to determine if there's a, like a mass or, or a lump in your breast. And, th and then you could get into deeper treatments. You could get an MRI done. You could get a PET scan done, which checks where th the area is affected or where the cancer has spread. You can do a CT scan and blood work, but usually those are the main ones. And then they'll go into a biopsy. So they already found the nodule and we want to find out exactly what it is. And the biopsy is the most definite way to separate whether it's benign, whether it's malignant and what kind of breast cancer we're dealing with, guys, because there's different kinds and the different kinds of breast cancers that you guys will learn right now will determine the treatment that has to be done for this patient. Yeah, and a biopsy is where they insert a needle into where the lump is or, or the growth and it just take a piece, piece out of it for you guys that don't know what a biopsy is. Is it ultrasound guided? It's, uh, it's ultrasound guided or um, it could also be done with like... Um, not fluids, but special, like, you know how to do, do an MRI? Contrast. And, yeah, contrast. Like yeah, so they could do it with contrast or they could do an x-ray and they could mark it. They could take like a giant needle and they could pinpoint it. And this needle just goes through your skin and it basically touches the, um, the, the tumor. The tumor and itself. And that's where, you know, the doctor knows how, how to go in and whatever that, that's pointed to is what they remove. And the, so when it comes to getting a biopsy, guys, we're taking a little clip of that cell, that little chunk of those cells, the tumor, and we're going to go into what exactly is going on. So we're going to find out the size. We're going to find out the grade and whether they have hormone receptors or and what's their HER2 status. And the way to imagine this is a cell is basically this perfect circle. 
and there's different receptors on it. There's like, let's just say like little proteins. It's like little antennas on a cell. And that's the way these cells are communicating whether, and we'll find out what is, what kind of, is it chain of communication using and how to treat it long story short. Yeah. And sometimes we'll remove a, a lymph node as well. And we're going to check the lymph node to see how, where has it spread and what's going on. Yeah. Cause like Matt said with the staging, a lot of times they, you know, they check the lymph nodes for any kind of progression of the cancer. That, or sometimes there might be no breast cancer growth here, but the lymph nodes are being affected. Right. So it's just getting into the staging. And what this pathology report will tell you is whether or not you have breast cancer and what, a, what receptors we're dealing with. And we'll go into the HER2 status, and then we're going to first touch base about the hormone receptors. Um, as you know, breast cancer could be affected by hormones, and the biopsy tests for two. It's called the ER positive, which is the estrogen receptor positive, or the um, RP or PR, which is progesterone receptor. And that's just basically saying what hormone is being affected, what hormone is affecting the spread of this cancer. And if it's, let's just say estrogen, one, then the treatment is going to be more estrogen blocker or something to lower your estrogen level to stop the growth and this in the severe spreading of the cancer. Yeah, because same way for men, testosterone, testosterone facilitates, you know, growth and estrogen and progesterone are your female sex hormones. So they, you know, facilitate growth as well for the female body. So a lot of times if these cancers, you know, are positive for estrogen or progesterone, you could a lot of times, like might say, give medication that will decrease their, their estrogen and they're not going to be able to grow anymore. And that's the way to target. Unfortunately, this medication is going to target, this targets estrogen in general. So a lot of times it affects other cells. But and there's different side effects yeah. of having low estrogen. Right, exactly. But you're better off being cancer free and low estrogen versus having cancer and estrogen. Yeah. Thank you for breaking it down. Sometimes... We have to be conscious of who we're talking to, guys. Those that are listening, some people are in the medical field and some people are just learning about this. And sometimes when I hear people say how we talk is sometimes we use too much medical jargon and people aren't able to pick up what's going on. Like the word CBC. Some people know what that is. Some people don't know that it's a complete, you know, blood panel basically that checks for hemoglobin and stuff. Complete blood count, yeah. Yeah. I kind of... I'm having trouble swallowing right now. I'm getting like... I'm getting aspiration pneumonia. I know this is this jacket is so strong, or I just can't swallow properly. I don't know what's going on, but I'm gonna choke twice right now. It's okay. Peter's eyes are so watery. You know, Susie's um, over here is looking at me. I'm getting nervous, man. Mm -hmm. Um, and mostly when it comes to the hormone status of your biopsy, roughly two out of three times, usually your breast cancer is due to this. And like we talked about, we're gonna give either medication that lowers that hormone or it blocks its complete function so it doesn't grow and doesn't function anymore, basically killing off the cancer. The The more complex one is the HER2 status, and that's another, it's called a human epidural growth factor receptor. And it plays a very significant role in breast cancer, and it's usually tested by two of them. It's called IHC, or the FISH, and it's just a method of testing for it. And it breaks it down into like zero to plus three. If it's zero to plus one, more than likely you're HER2 negative is what we call it. And you're not going to respond to treatments and drugs of that. If you're plus three, you're definitely positive for HER2, meaning HER2 positive is that receptor that's affecting or that's um, basically starting all this mess in your cancer or in your breast cancer, I should say. And HER2 is 
unknown. So they're 50-50. So usually if you do an IHC test, you're going to do the fish test to find out more definitely what's going on to clarify your results. Yeah. And then HER2. So HER2 is found in, in everybody. Everyone has a has a HER2 gene. A HER2 gene, or I guess it's a technically a receptor. So they help manage how a breast cell grows and repairs itself. So we all need a HER2 you know, to have healthy breasts and health, healthy um, cell proliferation and, and growth. The issue is if there's an abnormality in this HER2, it doesn't know what cells to, to repair and doesn't know when to stop growing. And according to, you know, our research, about 25% of, of breast cancer patients have a improperly functioning HER2 gene. Yeah. So what starts happening as it starts over expressing itself. So it just starts over replicating and it doesn't know what's going on and it's growing in an uncontrolled fashion because as you know cells die and they replicate which is fine it's all part of life and then we have this overexpression and that's basically what the biopsy is going to tell you these two most important things whether you were treating the cancer based on hormone reasons or treating the cancer based on HER2 reasons there's also something called the triple negative and you could touch about it okay for sure thank you for allowing me to speak Matthew so I've never heard about this, this triple negative until, you know, a couple of days ago where we did this research. And this is actually somewhere, somewhere pretty crazy. So a triple negative. So, you know, how Matt said we do a biopsy to see kind of how to treat the breast cancer or what's actually going on. So if you have triple negative cancer, you're negative for the HER2, which means you have an abnormal HER2 gene and you cannot treat it. And then you're also negative for ER, which is estrogen. And you're also negative for progesterone. So a hurt medication that affects HER2 is not going to do any effect. And also medication that's going to slow on estrogen is not going to do any effect either. And now also progesterone medication is not going to do anything either. So you're kind of kind of really stuck in a horrible place. This, this, isn't, a very, this isn't a very common cancer, but actually it's 10 to 20%. You're the, of, yeah. So it is, it, I mean, it's, it's fairly common, I guess. I mean, it's not fairly common, but, you know, it, it does happen to people. And this is probably one of the hardest things to treat because three medications that we could give you are not going to work. Because there's no receptors yeah. on those cancer right. cells themselves to be responsive to this. Right. Same way where you have, like, blood, your A, your your B, and your AB blood. Those are your receptors. Those are to check in what kind of blood you could get. Antigens, yeah. And antigen antibodies. And these don't have any of them. So no, none of these drugs are going to be reliable for it. It's very, it's very scary to have. And you're, you're likely to have this if you're African-American, young, Hispanic, and if you have the BRCA gene mutation. So now we're going to digress from the biopsy. And we're going to go into cancer and genetics, which is a little bit more on the tricky side. See, I really like genetics. Genetics has always fascinated me. So genetics. Like we talked about, it only affects about 5-10% of cancers, but it's still relevant. A lot of times it's more environmental than anything else, but, you know, it does still occur. And there's one test that they could do, and it's called the BRCA1 and BRCA2. So everybody has a BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes. The function of BRCA genes is to repair cells and keep the keep breast, ovarian, and any other, other cells growing properly. Same with like the gene that matches the, the HER2. So we both need them. But the issue is that there's an abnormality in these genes. So the crazy thing about this gene is women are prone to getting cancer one in eight. But if you have an abnormality in this gene, 
your chance of getting cancer go from 12% to 72%. Wow. So you're almost six times likely to get cancer based on this. And this gene is probably the most popular one that they test for. It's hereditary. So if your mom has it or your dad has it, they could pass it on, on to you. I know um, we talked about Angela Jolie, right? Was that yes. her one that got her breast removed? She had a double mastectomy. Yeah, so she got, because I believe um, her mom had breast cancer or, or her mom had the BRCA abnormality or the BRCA gene and so did her, her grandma. So she was very prone to getting it, getting it as well. So she didn't want to risk it. So she just like, you know, would just take off my breast. And you never know, maybe she went to the doctor and Shorty had like lymph node cancer cells and she didn't want to risk it spreading and she just preferred getting both done. Yeah. And sometimes you have cases that a woman will get one mastectomy on one side and then a few years later or four years later, let's just say you get another mastectomy because the cancer has spread there. And you could live with a BRCA mutation. Like people live with that. But the fact that you have a 72% chance of getting cancer is, you know, if I was a female, I, I probably would, would think of going, maybe even going to Angela Jolie around and then just getting both my breast removed because you do have a 72% chance of, of getting breast cancer, which is which is pretty crazy. Like it's, you have a 30, what, 38% chance of not getting it or 28%. Which it's like, it's super scary, it, man. It, it's, it is. And, and then same thing when it comes to like genes, we're going to go into the HER2 really quick. Sometimes you could be HER2 negative and then years down the line, you could go into readmission or it happens again, you could be HER2 positive because that gene is more based on environment, guys. And that's why genes turn on and off. And just because, like Peter said, just because you're predisposed doesn't mean you're always going to have breast cancer, but you just have a higher chance. And it really just matters about your lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad we're going this deep in genetics because at one point we did not know anything about the BRCA gene. And people were getting breast cancer from we were not sure from, we were not sure from where, but now we actually know. Hey, if you have a BRC abnormality, you chance your chances of getting ca breast cancer are you know almost six times more likely than a regular average person that doesn't have the BRCA mutation. But it's also scary that you have BRCA mutation and you might not get it. You know, so it's it's kind of crazy how our genes you know flip on and off. And that's basically, it's all due to environment, you know, stress. And, and it's crazy how we as, as sciences have evolved. We started where, oh, cell is a small component and it's, you know, then we go into atoms and then we, now we have a cell wall. There's an animal cell wall and we go so deep into it. Then we find out what's going on with the, the body and how everything is functioning. And we're still trying to map out the brain. And now we're going into the smallest form of information, which is the DNA. And then now DNA, we could go into literally gene sequencing and find out how these th these genes are turning on and off and how on a big level they're affecting our life yeah it's, mind blowing it's mind blowing it's mind blowing like there's so much unexplored stuff that you know in earth like we haven't explored any of the oceans but you know we haven't even explored our, ourselves to the fullest either and it's i like how this is progressing moral of the story stay curious that's what i'm saying stay curious all the time i wonder who said that maybe einstein i believe probably Something you would say. He's a curious man. Yeah. He's a curious George. Yeah. You know what? Let's go into. I was Peter. Say. Peter has a thought right now. Let's. let's <laughs> no, hear. this is this is completely off off topic. I know some people believe in that. You know, when you die, you become somebody else, like another human. Reincarnation. Like reincarn. Yeah, like reincarnation. But and they're they're saying that you know you have deja vu, or you kind of know certain things, and you don't know how you how you learned that. I've been having a lot of those lately. Interesting. Maybe your aunt is talking to you from another life. We also, Maybe my myself from another life is talking to me. Yeah, different dimensions. Shit. And it's kind of funny because off topic again, and we got to finish this episode, man. 
but there was a guy and when we travel nurse in Oakland, I don't want to say his name, but he said his childhood or memory is that he, his name is AC from the clusters of Orion. So he thinks he's from another galactic planet. That's like shit. this guy was very, very interesting. Yeah. And he went deep down a rabbit hole of conspiracies, how there's basically this alien race on planet Earth called the Cabal. If you want to look it up, it just it was interesting. Yeah, but he was a very good nurse. Like you told me that one time where where you guys were in the ER and there were the, the guy came from sepsis and they were giving him pressors. And you know, our nurse friend said, Hey, he, he needs fluids, like these pressors aren't aren't gonna do anything, and he ended up coding, right? Yeah. Like you said. Yeah, it's crazy because you could keep giving people pressures and you could, you know, keep constricting these these vessels, but at a certain point, you're not gonna have anything to there, squeeze. To squeeze, yeah, you're not gonna have any any fluid. So what you can do is just cut off your circulation, basically, to your heart, and then you're, you're gonna end up dying. You're gonna code. Now that's pretty crazy. Like now I'm kind of more con uh, more conscious of my pressures, but I mean I work on a cardiac floor, so we want them dry as fuck, anyways. So so it's whatever, you know. I had to swear. We're sorry. We're a good forty minutes in without swearing. Pete, I have to say that. And I'm word. getting nervous with these these boobies over here. <laughs> Um, let's go into the signs and symptoms of bat, uh, breast cancer, you guys. Know, I did a pretty good damn drawing. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, Whoever sees I'm an it, a lot of people are listening. I'm an artist. You know, I used to want to be a chef, but I think art's, art's my new passion right now. There you go. I'm going to go some wine and painting classes where, don't they have in like colleges where you, a person nude stands up when you paint them? Yeah. I'm going to do one of those, but I won't be the nude figure. There you I go. Want people paint, you want to paint me? I mean, I'm not that good. I'll Next podcast, podcast episode, Matt's going to paint me nude. We'll see how he does. That's whiteboard. There has to be a lot of, if people, if we get a, thousands of followers or listens from that, maybe I'll do it. Yeah, you should highlight my most prominent organs too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Signs and symptoms of breast cancer. Things may include is when you do your breast exam, you might feel like a little lump, something di different from your, like, than regular tissue. And you might... You might let's just say you do it. The best time I, the best time I do it is the same time every day or the same time. You don't gotta do it every day, but you want to do it at, at the same time each time you do this exam. And you also want to do it, you know, in, in the shower because you know when you're warm, um, your blood your is blood's... rushing to your organs Not and you could feel a lot more. Yeah. So let's just say every single first day of the month you try look for the say size, the shape, the appearance of the breast. See how the skin looks. Look at dimpling. Look at your if your nipples inverted. If there's peeling, something's crusty. Different pigmentations. Um, the areola is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. the areola, areola, areola of the uh, the breast. And see maybe there's redness or change of color. Things like that. And if you have an abnormality, you should probably talk to your doctor ASAP. Or if you feel something and you don't feel it on the other side. You know, check back in two weeks, see if it changed, and then follow up with a primary right. physician. Yeah, a lot of breast cancers are more internal, so you might not even feel anything. So that's why you should go for a mammogram. I think it's every year, right? The women get mammograms, yeah. or every every certain amount of amount of years they should get mammograms. That's why it's so important because they actually see through the tissues and see if there's an actual lump. Because like you said, you might not feel it, or you know, you might have had a lump that's been there forever and slowly increasing in size, but you're not noticing it because you're checking your breast every month and you still feels the same. So that's why it's very important. So still see your doctor, get the mammogram, get we your should, breast we should, health. We should do a poll. I'm sorry. We should do a poll to see how many women actually do self breast mm -hmm. exams. Yeah. That that'd be that'd be interesting because who knows if people even do them regularly. Yeah, maybe we should give breast exams just you know for science. <laughs> okay, let's go into treatments. This I, is what happens when Peter chokes on his alcohol. Yeah. Starts talking really funny because he's losing oxygen to his brain. You know, it's been a long day. Like we were supposed to record this like four hours ago, mm -hmm. and now we're just. 
so much to do. Okay, so treatments, guys. So treatments, a lot of, like I said before, a lot of these treatments, it's not going to be one treatment at a time. A lot of these treatments are multifocal and are given all together just to get you the, the best chances of, of getting through this cancer. So the first one, chemotherapy. Chemotherapy uses cytotoxic drugs that throw, travel throughout your whole bloodstream. So you usually get them through the IV and they're toxic drugs to all your cells. But they are able to pinpoint certain cancers with these drugs. We know what cancers are more susceptible to, to, to what kind of chemotherapy and what medication. But I'm sure if you um, studied any kind of chemotherapy or any kind of cancers, we know that chemotherapy comes with a lot of, a lot of side effects because unfortunately it does target all your cells in your body. And it's just like an antibiotic, guys. Like an antibiotic is killing good and bad bacteria. It, it doesn't know. It's not conscious. And just like chemotherapy, it's killing healthy blood cells. You might have a reduction in, you might get anemic. You get, you're more prevalent to gut infections. You could lose your hair as a lot of people do. Sometimes the hair doesn't grow back. Right. The color changes, the texture. Um, our cell wall and the intestinal tract changes as well. And sometimes we have nerve damage. And a lot of people say, I have neuropathy or you ask your patient, hey, do you have any numbness or tingling? Yeah, I have numbness and tingling in my right hand. And you ask them, when did that start? Oh, after um, chemotherapy. And sometimes that's unfortunately long-term damage they experience from chemo. Yeah, so the main targeting cells that chemotherapy targets is your fast replicating cells because cancer is fast replication. So that's why you get these side effects like red blood cells and you get nausea and you get uh, change in taste and like Matt said, all, all the side effects like your hair falls out because hair regrows back quickly. So it targets your quickly reproducing cells for the most part. And I forgot, I was going to say something, but never mind now. So, and then your other option or your other uh, treatment source is going to be radiation therapy where they literally shoot x-rays into the pinpointed place of, of the cancer. So there are three types of radiation. So there's like your general, your traditional, um, basically external beam breast cancer radiation where they take highly focused beams and they target the cancerous area. And they kind of zap that whole area for like two to three minutes where they keep zapping and zapping, zapping it. And this unfortunately involves a few appointments. And that's kind of how our radiation is. Another one is kind of newer. It's called internal breast cancer radiation where a surgeon actually inserts a radioactive liquid using needles, wires, and a catheter to target a specific area of growth. So they kind of inject the radiation in, in you. And this third one is actually really cool, brachytherapy. They kind of, kind of reminds me of, you know, how you have prostate cancer, you get the, like the seeds yes. and they emit radiation. Well, this is very similar. It's the doctor places a device like in your breast and it basically radiates, radiates the area where it originally grew. But radiation is usually not the only, um, only choice for, for treatment. Yeah. For treatment because, you know, that's usually done after surgery where they remove it, r remove something, or they do chemo and they kind of, sorry, sorry I'm, I feel like I'm getting my words twisted up. So a lot of times they do radiation after surgery just because when they remove this lump or this cancerous tissue, the surrounding area could be still affected by the cancer. It's just that they might not, might not be detectable, but they are still there. So they usually radiate the area. And I, and I seen that too when I went to go shadow CRNA where they had that needle, they basically, you know, did the biopsies, they cut out whatever they were doing, lymph nodes, but they also, and that was, that was called a lumbectomy. Mm -hmm. And they also did some radiation around it, just like you said, yeah. just to get rid, make sure to get rid of any extra cells that could cause issues or a form of a readmission. Right. And also for chemotherapy, back on that subject, it, it could also be just a temporary 
if you're going to get a, a surgery, they might just do a few rounds of chemo just to shrink the tumor. That way they remove less tissue around it. And then, so back to radiation therapy, um, your common side effects can be like, you know, like getting hit by a lot of sun. So sunburn, redness, irritation, dryness, your breath might be heavy, you might just feel general fatigue and just kind of discoloration in the area. But another therapy is called hormotherapy. And that's where we call that HER2, or no, not HER2 status, but the estrogen progesterone game. Um, so that HER2 is more um, gene targeted. So that's a different kind of thing. Yeah, that, that's what I messed up. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so, so hormotherapy is going to affect the cancers that are, you know, oh, sorry, is let me. PR positive and ER positive. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So basically, your hormotherapy is going to be used to lessen your estrogen and your progesterone. It's kind of hard for me to talk about this topic because I'm a male, so I know a lot about testosterone compared to this other uh, breast cancer, but I still want to learn a lot about it, so that's why we kind of did this episode. So there's hormone blockers where these hormone blockers block the estrogen receptors on the actual cells, which doesn't allow estrogen to get in that cell. And there's also hormone inhibitors, which reduce the amount of hormones your body produces. And for the inhibitors, I don't believe they give those if you're premenopausal. I think they're going to give that to you when you're postmenopausal. If I'm not mistaken, I might not be 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And one of the medication is tamoxifen. And so this one you take for five years. And this one is the hormone blockers where they try to close off uh, the gate that allows estrogen to come in. Yes. And those are the cheaper forms of medication too. I think a 60 pill supply and you take one pill every day for five years, I think it's like 60 bucks. So that's a cheaper form of chemotherapy or not i'm sorry of hormone therapy if you have if you're susceptible to that um, yeah. receptor yeah, exactly so you these this cancer has to show that it is growing because of estrogen that's what it's when you get this medication another medication is lhrh agonist so this actually prevents your, your ovaries from making estrogen and which causes estrogen levels to drop and then you're banking on the fact that you have low estrogen that these cancer cells aren't gonna aren't gonna uh you know, um, grow as much. And then you could also add on chemo and hopefully de destroy those, yeah. those cancer cells. And some of the side effects with this medication, unfortunately, is you might have headaches, hot flashes, your bones may become more brittle and they might thin. And that's that's unfortunate because you already have osteoarthritis or osteoporosis when you're getting older. Mm -hmm. So this just makes things a lot worse. Yeah, and same with blood clots, strokes, and uterine cancer. So this is, so this these symptoms or these side effects are same as your side effects that you get from menopause. Because with these medications, you're not going to have enough estrogen in your, in your body to, you know, to be, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Okay. It's, like, it's okay. Pete. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying that like these medications are going to put you to menopause. So you're going to be in menopause temp temporarily or, or forever. If, that's why you get these side effects. Yeah. So if you're under... 55 you haven't 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 hit menopause yet you're going to go into a form of menopause because yes. the way of you um stopping that chemical or that hormone from being produced in yes, the body because, of, um, because yes. menopause is a decrease in estrogen and progesterone so yes. this is why you get all these all these side effects and go ahead. we get into mm -hmm. next um targeted therapy and that's basically targeting that her2 status gene and not even gene it's a protein and this form of treatment is basically gonna it's manufactured in the lab, and it's basically a way to bind those protein receptors on those cancer cells. And this form of 
therapy if you are susceptible to it is a lot more expensive. One of the medications are it's called um Herceptin, and it's and it binds and it stops the overexpressing of that gene, right? And I think the tr- the one year treatment is seventy thousand dollars. So it's a very form of um expensive form of chemotherapy. The other one, which is another way it stops the pathways of the HER2 status from being replicated, I think that's roughly $3,000, $3,400 a month. So when it comes to HER2 status, and we know that's prevalent, it's just very expensive to do chemo, or not sorry, uh, targeted therapy for that. Yeah, but it's crazy that we actually have a medication called Herceptin that actually targets that's why i I like genetics so much is a lot of i know a lot of people are against it maybe not as much now as they were before because you know people were give the excuse that hey we're all made by god and we should just let things play out but if you know if we let things play out we wouldn't have never found the hr2 gene and we would have never created this medication that you know prevents or stops hr2 positive receptors in, in, in cancer which is which is pretty crazy and then we go into surgery, guys, and that's the most invasive form. It depends on what's going on with your body. You might get it. So one way is um, a lumpectomy, and that's not removing the breast yet, guys. We're removing parts of the breast tissue. We're sometimes removing a part of the cancer, which is usually lymph nodes. Yeah. But we're not removing the breast itself. Susie still has both breasts if she gets a lumpectomy. Yeah, both breasts. And then we go into um, a mastectomy. And that could be a couple forms. It could re- either remove the breast, the whole breast itself, the nipple, or the the areola, right? I keep areola. forgetting the word. Areola. So it just depends on where the distinct form of cancer is. Usually this one is the best way to guarantee you of not getting breast cancer at all because you're removing everything when, with the lymph nodes. And for those that are nurses, nursing students, you guys know if you get a right mastectomy, you don't want to put a blood pressure cuff on the right side because of swelling. Your your arm is going to swell up yeah, because of the lack of lymphs. Exactly. Yeah. I, w- I always forget that one, but um, I I don't always. Usually, you could tell when someone had a mastectomy, and usually they, they bring it up or it's in their nose for sure. And then there's like this rule of thumb is let's just say they have a double mastectomy. But if the patient had it 10 years ago, then you're just like, eh, whatever. They already had the mastectomy. It already healed up, and you're okay to put a blood pressure cuff on it. Right. There's also, you know, less, um, less like severe mastectomies, you, you could say. So there's also a partial mastectomy where you move a large portion of the breast, but it's, it's more than the lumpectomy, but not as big as a whole mastectomy. And you just remove like a big part of tissue for the most part. It could be half, a quarter, just however much, much they need. And there's also a skin sparing mastectomy. So you move the breast, the nipple, areola, the sentinel node, or a few other nodes but you actually leave the skin so you leave the skin on there because you could still get you know the cancers could still go from your breast to your skin skin cancer is one of the most prevalent cancers that that occurs in, in the world you know or in, i think I believe it's the united states i'm not sure about the world but united states for sure and so they leave the skin intact so they go you know give you like a like a fresh breast fake breast like silicone so you see that skin flap going over there and it also there's also a modified radical mastectomy so this re- removes the entire breast nipple areola Lymph nodes, but leave the chest wall intact. So leave your muscle there, just like the whole the whole breast, but not the muscle. Like the mastectomy is gonna remove the breast, the lymph, the muscle. Everything's gonna go. Wow. And guys, that is your rundown yeah. of breast cancer. Yeah, sorry, I've, I've been kind of kind of edgy, but like 
this is kind of just kind of hard for me to talk about just because I feel like I don't. It's not a topic that we sat down. We learned right. in school. It's not a it's not a topic where you just open up a book. It's this is all new, like this gene, the BRCA, HER2. This is something I've never really talked about. And we just got very in depth. Yeah, exactly. And plus, we're guys, we don't really do this. Like, I'm sure my girlfriend knows a lot more about breast cancer than I do. Like, yeah. I could talk about prostate cancer all, all day, all night. I, I know a bunch of sh like stuff about that. But, you know, just the fact that being a male and you don't really have experience with, with breasts and, you know, breast cancer, it's it's kind of a little bit hard. So we try to try our best here. We did. Susie helped us out a little bit. All right, guys, this was a long episode. If you stayed this long, we really appreciate it. I was just thinking we should do like an after hours podcast, maybe something extra premium subscription where we kind of talk shit after hours, talk about non-nursing, talk about anything actually unfiltered. And this is something that wouldn't be able to be on Apple or it wouldn't be able to be on YouTube because it's just um, explicit content. Yeah. You need a few more jacks. In here. And a few more jacks. Yeah. So a few more Susie's. A few more Susie's. Strippers. Strippers. So thank you guys for hanging out. We talked about breast cancer, grading, sizing, different ways of finding out what's going on, the treatments, the diagnosis. We just gave you a whole rundown, guys. Happy October if you're listening October. Take care, guys. Have a great day. Have a good one, guys. Susie says bye as well. Deuces.